Hello, everybody. It is Sean with Amanda. We are back with the Chamber Pod, and we are really excited to shake things up a bit tonight. We want to thank everybody for sticking with us. We were off last week thanks to the holiday season and the gift exchanging and all the things that come along, a white Christmas. So it was a very good time, and uh, we're excited to be back this week. Um, We have our regular review. We're going to do our Monday Night Raw from the 12-28-2020 episode. And we have some new exciting things, Amanda. Oh, yes. We're going to try a different style of podcast. Instead of us just talking for an hour, which we appreciate you guys sticking through, we have decided to break this down into different segments, and each one, you know, is a, is a little bit different than the one before. We do a couple of really cool things, um, so I'm excited to introduce you these these to you guys. Yeah, so we're just going to jump right in and get started with our very first brand new segment called Hot Tags. Hey! So it's a bit of a play on hot takes. We're going to take you through everything that happened on Monday Night Raw that deserves to be talked about either good or bad but these are our hot tags and we'll go back and forth so let's just start with the first thing we saw on monday night raw it was fantastic keith lee defeated sheamus in a number one contenders match the winner will face drew mcintyre for the WWE Championship next Monday on Legends Raw. I am so excited for that show, and this match is only one of the... I can't even count how many cool things are going to be happening next week. Yeah. But with this with this match, you know, we got a, a, a pretty cool promo between Drew and... Seamus and then Drew and Keith and you know you got all three of them tensions are obviously high right and, you know because Seamus technically stuck to his word yep um and didn't attack Keith until after the match yeah that was on last week's Raw. yeah exactly so it was it was cool and obviously like this is going to be a great match between these two yeah Keith Lee comes in and he's just he's a, he's a wall oh yeah there's just no getting through him and then Seamus just doesn't care Right. He'll go through anybody. Yeah, no, it it was a really good match and a great way to start off Raw. It was kind of like if anybody watched the the Raw previous, right after TLC, they lost all of that momentum. It was kind of a dull and boring show. And then this last week's Raw was fantastic. They did a great job with it. They really did. And this match set the tone. Uh and, of course, I'm a big Keith Lee fan, so it was really excited to see him get a clean win over Sheamus. That's, like, one of WWE's trademarks right now is nobody gets a clean win. And Keith Lee, we talked about how he's the rising star. Everybody believes in him. He needs to start winning matches, and now he's got a great shot because he won against Sheamus and gets a title match one-on-one with Drew McIntyre. Right, and you know, I'm really not sure that that match is going to stay one-on-one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So what I think is we've got Drew being the ultimate face. Like, he's even telling Sheamus that Sheamus is going too far. Right. Right, like Keith Lee, he doesn't deserve it. There's no need for it. It's not personal. It's just good competition. Exactly. So he's playing this ultimate hero character Keith Lee remains as a strong hero character, right. but not quite as strong as Drew. No. And then Seamus is the one that's kind of like pushing the boundaries. That envelope is getting slid further and further. Are we going to get a heel turn and from Seamus? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a heel turn. And Drew obviously is going to be the top person to like fight against that. Right. But it's going to be a turn against Keith Lee. So... I don't know that next week will be the triple threat, but next week might be the reason to make it a triple threat. threat. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's exciting, though, because Keith Lee is then protected, right? So I I get upset when I see them do this 50-50 booking, where you get one win and then it gets erased by the next week's program. Right. But this one might actually work. This one might be different, because... Keith Lee got the clean win here. The next match is the title match. So 
the the interference can look not bad against Keith Lee, right? But instead, look like Sheamus wants his shot at the title because exactly. Keith Lee cost that. It, so it builds a story around it instead of it just being like, "Oh, you win, now you get to lose." Exactly. So that's that's going to be really fun to watch on Raw next week. Um, but sticking on Raw this week, let's talk about something that wasn't quite as fun to watch. And that is when we once again went to Matt Riddle backstage with Jeff Hardy in the New Day. And, you know, when Riddle's in the ring, I really don't mind it so much. Mm -hmm. But when he cuts any semblance of a promo, it just, it doesn't make sense. Like, he sounds almost incoherent. Yeah. And, And Jeff, you know, does his best to kind of translate for Riddle, but he makes him also sound kind of incoherent. Like, the... You know the stereotypical like high thoughts, mm-hmm. like kind of kind of sound because it just it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they're definitely trying to play into that um, stereotype with Matt Riddle. Yeah, right. Like he comes from UFC MMA background. He wrestles with no footwear, you know, no gear or anything really. It's right. it's just him out there, and he doesn't really care. Right? Like, it's that no-nonsense kind of attitude, but it's not funneled towards intensity. No. It's just no-nonsense to the point where everything is nonsense. Exactly. I mean, like, he's he's the ultimate bro, and I know, like, that, that right. does fit the character, but I would like him better if they just made him sound, I don't know, better. He sounds like he doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. And that's that's the thing, is... These kinds of characters work when they are self-aware. Yeah. Like, you can have the humor of not really having much to say or not really sounding very coherent if they are at least somewhat aware that that's how they sound. Right. But that isn't the vibe that we no. get. And I I agree with you. I think it's terrible. I I wish they would use, if they're going to stick with that kind of character for him... Use him a lot more like they do our truth, yes. where it's inserting humor into a legitimate feud. Absolutely, I completely agree. And like we could even see it on the New Day's faces. The New Day, especially Woods, is kind of like, just get me out of this. Yeah, no. It, 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 you want to talk about a group that understands energy and how things come across? It's the New Day, absolutely. And they are standing there in all of this mess, going like. Um, all right, this needs to be over. We are better than this. Yes. And the truth is they are. Like, they deserve, we've talked about it before, but they deserve an Usos. They deserve, you know, the um, the bar. Yeah. These, these other tag teams that also understand the energy in the room. Yeah. And I'll give Matt Riddle a little bit of a break because... There's no fans. There are no. There's no crowds. Right. No fans there's in attendance. There's nothing really to feed off of. So they are only feeling their own energy. And if people, you know, within the structure of the company are saying yes, we like this, you know, they're they're not going to change. Right. Uh, it, it's just maybe I'll reserve judgment for when he gets in front of a live audience. Yeah, that's but fair. But I just don't like this character very Me much. Me either. And I hope that, like, he winds up more so in that MMA UFC vein. Like, what they've done with Shayna, what they've done previously with Brock Lesnar, even Bobby Lashley. Like, in ring, they are totally different stories. Yeah, I I completely agree. And, you know, hopefully if they make him better, it'll be easier for me to talk about him. Because I know that I sound a little bit incoherent about this as well. But it's because I I don't like it. There's not really a lot to say. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'll I'll just start the campaign. Like, Bobby needs MVP. Matt Riddle needs somebody. And it's not Jeff Hardy. We we need a traditional manager. Yes. That that would be perfect. I know that they just got rid of uh, Zelina Vega, which I'm devastated about. But... Zelina would be like a perfect fit Absolutely. for a Matt Riddle. Find Absolutely. The, the new campaign. Find <laughs> Riddle's Zelina. Yes. Okay. Um, our next hot tag is going to be Mr. Money in the Bank. 
What? Amanda, explain, because there's a lot going on here. So we got a really great segment from Adam Pierce after we saw, you know, Miz and Morrison go out. I forget who they were facing, but they had a match. Mm -hmm. I I think Miz lost to one of the Lucha House Party. Yes. uh, Yeah. I don't remember which one. I think Grand Metalik. Uh, I I, yes, I don't know for sure, but yes, that's right. It was one of the Lucha House Party. Which yeah, it, it was what a fall odd. from grace. Yeah, it was kind of odd. But so they're backstage. They're real disappointed. They're like kind of sitting in the concourse area on the mm-hmm. stairs up to the up to the seats. Yep. And then in comes Adam Pierce. Yeah, our not so authority authority figure. Exactly. So Miz kind of like grumpily goes off on him and then Mm -hmm. adam's like well i actually came here with good news for you miz yeah so you were right here you go here's your briefcase back yeah so uh, everybody's going what how he cashed in it he failed it didn't work well on the week previous when we did not do a podcast episode four miz went with the loophole strategy and he said i didn't cash in the briefcase Morrison, Morrison did. did. And the rules clearly state that only the holder of the briefcase can cash it in. So, can I have my briefcase back? And obviously nothing was done on that episode. So, Miz here thought that his shot at the title was, was over. over. Was passed. Expired. Vetoed. Kiboshed. But Sayonara. <laughs> Adios. But then in comes Adam Pierce, and he just hands him the briefcase back. He's like, good luck. You were right. Miz didn't cash in. Morrison did. Miz is the contract holder. So, yeah. And then the celebration ensues. Watching the two of them dance on those stairs oh. had to be one like the highlight of all of Raw. I was thinking like risky business type where he comes sliding in yes. and they're doing air guitar yes. and it's like they were so excited. There that was, was a, a great part. Of, it was there was a lot of terrible twerking. It was great. Oh yeah, it, it was they were just pure energy and they I wish maybe we should get some of them towards Matt Riddle cuz they Maybe that he'd feed off of that. But uh, it was a great segment. Uh, We've got written down here Adam Pierce had a great segment. And I honestly, I like Adam Pierce. I think he's good. I think he fits the role. I just wish they would actually give him some power because it's very uh, uh, nondescript what exactly he does. Which is why I say that he hasn't really had good segments because we never really know what he can and can't do. And one one week he's able to make matches, Mm -hmm. another week he's not. Like, it's very, very unclear. Whereas this one was very good. He kind of fed off the Miz, threw a little bit of sass back at him, and then was like, good luck. He also seems to be in charge of both shows. Like, he he looms in the shadows of both Raw and SmackDown, which is odd. Like, we haven't really seen that from anybody. I mean, mean, we had um, Kurt Angle was Raw general manager for a while. Uh, Shane was on SmackDown for a while. They had Daniel Bryan before he got back into the ring. They have had Paige be a general manager type figure. They had, obviously, Mick Foley came in and did a great job. Uh, Obviously, I think his trademark was putting Sheamus and Cesaro together. It's the best, Um, one of the last good makeshift tag teams that they created. Yeah, really well done. But... I kind of miss authority figures on programming. I, I do too. It I, adds an interesting element between them and the talent. Right. And I'm not talking like we don't have to go all the way back to Vince McMahon, Triple H, the authority, authority. dubbed tag team or faction type power. We don't need a ministry of darkness. But I like somebody that's in charge that gives all of the orders to the talent and says, hey, this is what's happening, this is not what's happening. Absolutely. It kind of adds another element beyond just, okay, these two wrestlers don't like each other and can start a fight whenever. It, it, it adds, like, a sanctioned element. Exactly. Something that you don't really get from the backstage interviewers, and they've been trying to use them a mm-hmm. little bit more like that in the way that they ask their questions. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll wrap that with Adam Pierce, good segment, and maybe this is how he'll like earn a promotion. Maybe they'll write a storyline to maybe. where he is given definite powers because that would make 
watching those segments feel so much more important. Absolutely. If we know that he's in charge and he can do something, we'll pay attention and be excited. If we don't know what the bounds of his powers are, then we don't know if he can actually do anything. Right. Plus, now we're back on the chase for the cash-in. So, Mm -hmm. yes, it, it brings another element of excitement back to Raw. Which... I think Miz will probably be successful. I, I I don't think you'd give it back to him after failing if you weren't intending on him to somehow come away with the belt. I completely so. agree. All right, the next thing on our list is Mustafa Ali versus Ricochet. It was a good match, but then we also have the retribution angle right. of them trying to recruit Ricochet. Yeah, there's there's some good and a lot of bad to this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we got to see a Raw Talk segment where Ricochet is like unhappy and he's kind of upset. He's like, I, I need to stop letting people walk all over me, but also I don't want to join Retribution because like they're the ultimate bad, and it's just, it's like a, an inner battle within himself. And then later in the match, at the end of the match, we see. Ali, again, try and recruit him. Like, you could end all of this punishment if you just join us. Right. And he once again says no. So there's there's good elements to this story. It's just retribution isn't all that exciting anymore. Yeah, it's it, it kind of felt flat when they debuted. It was like, okay, they're just destroying everything. Right. And, and it wasn't like they were destroying anything and then bad things were happening to them. It was just... They were destroying things, and then those things were replaced, and by the next week, they were destroyed again. Yeah. It was just a confusing angle, but I'll tell you what. I am in love with where they are going with this storyline. It's going to be really, really fun here in about four weeks. If you can wait that long, it'll be really exciting then, because I... Love. We talked about Keith Lee and the, and the booking yeah. of Keith Lee. We, that's been a story and a thread through our podcast for a little while now. Absolutely. And during that, I touched on Ricochet because Ricochet was a much bigger star a couple years ago than even Keith Lee's rising star is now. This is like the pivotal moment for Ricochet, right? He he can jump out of his current status. Of kind of being a failed project. Right. Or he can forever cement himself in WWE's jobber territory. Absolutely. And that's like, that's why it's exciting. Because it is actually about this man's WWE career. And they are using it in the story. Like during this Raw Talk segment, he says, like, I can't continue to lose. I have to start beating people. And then he kind of has this realization moment of like, can I actually beat a group of like five bandits that attack me whenever I am anywhere around? Exactly. If if a camera is in front of me, retribution is behind me. Right. And that's like, he's realizing maybe I can't. And so he's just now starting to realize and he's ultimate face he's ultimate yeah. face. so he's not gonna just break right now you have to show him struggle exactly. with this decision so he's still he's still fighting it this spot 100 percent to me says royal rumble match heel turn which i think as much as I love Ricochet, I think it would be great. It's it's what his character needs. And honestly, it's what Retribution needs. Yes. It would bring so much legitimacy to that group, mm-hmm. having Ricochet in there. Uh, along with Mustafa Ali. Like, yeah. Mustafa Ali was also kind of this crowned prince of SmackDown when he debuted. He, right. He made a debut, I believe it was, in a Royal Rumble match. And he, like, blew the doors off the building he was so hot in that match and the fans loved him and it turned into this like nice push like uh for wrestling archivists we know that the big push during that year was kofi mania right but you'll remember that kofi mania was allowed to happen and accelerate because he was the replacement for injured Mustafa Ali right. in the chamber match. Right. Or I believe it was even a gauntlet match before that. 
Um, they yeah, they had a was. gauntlet match, and they had so many ways to like kind of hinder Kofi mm-hmm. through it after right. the injury, just to make us believe in that rather than oh Mustafa's hurt. Right. It was so, a, it was a great distraction technique, and it did wonders for Kofi, who I adore. Yeah, and obviously it culminated with him winning the WWE Championship at WrestleMania, yes. which was fantastic. But to to that point, that was meant. For Mustafa Ali. Ali. Now, I don't know that they would have gone as far as to put him in one of the main events of WrestleMania and give him the title. But, but he was being pushed. That was the ascending star. So you, you you combine that guy with Ricochet, who was on top of the world, and now they're in this ultimate tag team together, leading a bunch of foot gangers. Right. Like, this is a really cool idea, and I think we're going to see it happen with... You know, all of Retribution in the ring at the Rumble and Mustafa Ali and here comes Ricochet and they all turn around to go for him. And then he joins them and attacks whoever else is left in the ring. Absolutely. That moment will be huge and it'll explode the building if they're able to have fans at Tropicana Field. If they're not able to have fans, then I'm sure it'll break the internet. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, But so I'm excited for that and I hope it goes in that direction. Um, maybe some wish fulfillment will be good there. Yeah. That, can that be my Christmas wish or my New Year's <laughs> wish? Like, just just bring me a good old fashioned Rumble heel turn. Yes. All right, Amanda, go ahead and and give us our final hot tag. All right, our final hot tag is the ongoing bit between Alexa and Randy. So it starts off with a promo battle, which results in Alexa challenging Randy, and we don't find out what that is to. Until the end of the show. And we see the the interesting begging, like, daring, daring Randy to do something bit from Alexa when he actually does come out to the ring. She's crying. She's so upset. She's begging him to burn her like he did the fiend. Yeah. It was, it was intense. It was different. Um... It was fun that we get to see Alexa in her own segment. We have Alexa's playground now. We we had Bray in his Firefly Funhouse, and that's where his place was. Now Alexa has this playground that the Fiend built for her. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a moment of bliss, but it's really cool that they gave her her own spot, just like moment of bliss. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually really liked it. I was definitely hopeful, right? So we get that segment from... Uh, Randy entering the fun house and uh, Alexa responding from the playground, which is in the ring. Yeah. And uh, I hear the challenge and I am losing my mind. I'm so excited because it has been a really long time since WWE did an intergender match. This is a staple in professional wrestling. It happens in almost every other promotion available. There are even titles that are not gender exclusive. You know, we have the Raw Women's title and the WWE Championship. We have the SmackDown Women's title and we have the Universal Championship. We have this division between men and women. And I'm not to say that that's unfair or unjust or unreasonable. No, but... but these other promotions capitalize on having big stars in both sexes. Absolutely. And so now you you know there's no rules. You can put the best woman on the roster against the best man on the roster and see what's going to happen. And that's what I was hoping for with Randy Orton, who is an absolute legend. Yes. And Alexa Bliss, who has been on top of the mountain. Like, she has been the champion of the women's division. She's been a tag champion of the right, women's division. Right, and she's riding the high of the fiend right now. Exactly. Her buzz right now is so hot. Exactly. No pun intended with those flames. Dang it! <laughs> I was totally going to jump on that. Um, and I'm still going to do it. So... Instead of an intergender match, instead we get Alexa begging for Randy to light her on fire like he did The Fiend. You know, she pours gasoline, you know, from Randy to, like, a little puddle in the middle of the ring. Mm -hmm. Pours it all over herself. You know, lays down, rolls around in it, begging him, yelling him, yelling at him to, you know, do it, do it, do it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And instead, you know, Randy fights back a little bit. He's like, oh, you really think I won't do it? And then we get one of the first cliffhangers from Raw in a very long time. Yeah. Randy strikes the match, gives his sinister little smile, and fade to black. Yeah. We don't know what happened. Yeah, we, we don't know if Randy is that sinister to... I mean, I mean, let's think about it this way. Attacking the fiend, lighting the fiend on fire, this, this being that won't die. I mean, yeah. it will continue coming after you, even after being, you know, engulfed in flames. Exactly. That's one thing. But what kind of monster would light a little girl on fire? I mean, that's the role she's playing. Right. She She is the creepy doll from all oh, of the horror no. movies that everybody hates watching. Oh. It, it's, uh, it's... It's interesting because you don't get cliffhangers in pro wrestling. Right. So what happened? So what? Ha- I don't know. I Are they going to lead off Legends Raw with it? I don't understand. Like, I hope so. I don't know. Are the Legends going to have some roundtable discussion about whether Randy Orton needs to be stopped? If like- they do, Kane is not allowed to lead the discussion. Yeah, the big red machine does like some flames. He is not allowed to be in that room. (laughs) That's pretty good. But uh, it definitely, Raw did a nice job of giving us really interesting things to pay attention to for the coming weeks. And even though Raw had probably one of its worst nights of the year a week ago, I think Raw had one of the best nights of the year this week. Exactly. They, they just snuck it in before the end of the year. But speaking of the coming weeks, I think it's time to introduce our next new segment. Yeah, so we've got something really excited planned. We're going to start a new uh, series of segments uh, over the course of our podcast episodes in the coming weeks. And it's going to be called Countdown. So our hope is that each month, we will be able to introduce a new countdown topic. And during our episodes throughout, we will put our next entry on the countdown list and give you a little background as to why that person, event, etc. is being featured. Exactly. So, Amanda, drumroll please. This month's countdown is... Royal Rumble winners. Hey, and we're really excited to do this. It, it seemed like the perfect time to start it, you know, because we're countdown to the Rumble. The Rumble's at the end of the month, January 31st. So why not talk about the 10 best winners of the Royal Rumble? So now this, to be clear, is going to be a list that features only people that have won the Royal Rumble match at least once, yes. and it is not necessarily one particular performance. So we've taken the list of Royal Rumble winners and gotten them down to 10, and we will evaluate them on their entire career performance right. in the Royal Rumble. Right. It's it's really exciting, but like, like you said, it's about the collective, not mm-hmm. just the one. So, you know, if you have a great performance the first time, but then you are really, really bad that second time, you know, you might, you might not make it on. Right. It's, it's really a, a complete look yes. at the Royal Rumble. We are going to really examine their Royal Rumble resume. Yes. Um, and I have to say Royal Rumble is probably my favorite night of the year. I think it's so exciting. It's the best match. There's a little more hype for WrestleMania because that's that's the Super Bowl. That's the end-all, be-all. But the Royal Rumble is the first step on getting to WrestleMania. And that's what makes it so thrilling. Exactly. So for... I know most of you already know, but in case anybody's listening and you don't know how the Royal Rumble works, here's a, a quick little breakdown. So traditionally... 30 men or women yes. enter um, this match in intervals of either 60, 90, or 120 seconds. 
there have been there's been a one forty man rumble and one fifty man royal rumble at, yeah. we'll, at we'll Saudi throw, Arabia. We'll throw the asterisk on both of those. Exactly. But traditionally it's thirty men or women. Um can wrestlers can only be eliminated from the match by being uh, by going over the top rope yep. and having both feet touch the ground. That's key because we've seen Kofi Kingston go over countless times. Yes. And he's managed to save himself and come back into the ring because not both feet hit the ground. Yeah, he's done handstands. He's climbed the turnbuckle. He's gone over to the ring. The, he uh, made the a barricade, chair a pogo stick. Turned like, a chair into a pogo stick. He is well known for his rumble saves. Exactly. The match continues until there's only one man or woman left in the ring. And the winner is then automatically given a title shot at WrestleMania against the champion of their choosing. Now, it used to be that this would automatically be the main event of WrestleMania. We will talk about that a little bit in our countdown, but you'll have to stay tuned because that is not going to be in our premiere episode. Instead, our premiere episode begins no other way but with the very first winner of the Royal Rumble. Yes, so number 10 on our countdown is Hacksaw Jim Duggan. hey He was the first Royal Rumble winner ever. The, the match was in 1988. He had three eliminations. And he entered at number 13. Yeah, that's a bit of a spooky number to begin with. Oh, but absolutely. It got even scarier over the years. So ever since 1988, there is now what's known as the Hacksaw Curse. And uh, no other entrant of the Royal Rumble match at number 13 has ever won. Ever since that match. In 1988, nobody can crack the curse. But it's not just winning. Winning isn't the only thing. Most contestants that draw that number 13 last less than five minutes in the match and have two or fewer eliminations. Now, if there are 30 entrants, that means there are 29 eliminations possible. So two is a very small number. Amanda, usually, how long do these matches go? Oh, they can go an um, an hour to an hour and a half, sometimes even longer than that. I right. Mean, Rey Mysterio's old record in the traditional Royal Rumble Correct. is just over an hour. Right. And most of our wrestlers coming in at number 13, the Hacksaw number, are lasting about five minutes. It's It, it really takes a toll on them. I mean, of course, there are exceptions. Mm-hmm. And, you know... It's, you get one here, one there. Sometimes people last like 20 minutes. Sometimes they last 15. But 2019 yeah. had the best and exception, like the most hope yeah. for breaking the curse. Because uh, Mustafa Ali, he, I don't remember when, he entered at number 13. He lasted for 30 minutes. He had two eliminations. But then was eliminated by Nia Jax. <laughs> yeah, so that that was the thing, right? We had the surprise entrant of Nia Jax coming into the match. And uh, obviously eliminating somebody that had been in for half an hour. Exactly. Um, then in the Women's Rumble that night, you have Charlotte Flair, who certainly was probably the best. Maybe The Rock would be the next best option yeah. for number 13 entrance. But she lasted in the match for 50 minutes had five eliminations in that match but was eliminated by Becky Lynch yes who who won the match that year yeah yes yeah, charlotte was the runner up and that's the probably the best outside of hacksaw that anybody's ever finished from number 13 but let's get back to the curse that's the fun stuff so oh, yes at number 13 spike dudley never even entered the match he was attacked by kane and was unable to compete exactly talk about bad luck booker t lasted only 18 seconds in the match and booker t is a hall of famer yeah so, um, you also did some fun math skills yeah. regarding this stat. So, this is the really fun one. In the history of the Royal Rumble, this is including the greatest Royal Rumble, which had 50 entrants, and 
uh, the year where Alberto Del Rio won the 40-man Royal Rumble, there have been 1,103 eliminations in the history of the Royal Rumble. That obviously not counting um, Spike Dudley, who never entered the match. He he was obviously never eliminated from it. So 1,103 eliminations. 38 have been eliminated by the number 13 entrant, if you are not counting Hacksaw Jim Duggan's eliminations. So, like, I know that these are approximate numbers, but that comes down to, like, 3.5%. 3.5% of the Royal Rumble match has been eliminated by... Number 13. I'd say that's a curse. We're going into the 36th or the 37th, one of the two. We're going into a 30-something right? Uh, on the match number here. So that's, oh, wow. Yeah, we would need a lot of Royal Rumble winners from number uh, 13 in order to fix this curse. Right. But who knows? Maybe this year's number 13 will reverse the curse. Maybe. I mean, nine number 13 entrants have been eliminated by the eventual winner. So that's pretty good. They're yeah. at least not getting thrown out by nobody's. Exactly. But it does kind of bite when you've got the curse. And, you know, may- maybe that's the strategy with the Royal Rumble match, is whoever comes out 13, I want to eliminate them, because then I got the best chance at winning. Exactly. But going back to Hacksaw's Rumble... His runner-up was One Man Gang. Um, Hacksaw Jim Duggan was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2011. He is a former football player, and that's actually where he got the nickname Hacksaw. He was known for hacking his way through wedge blocks, and he's also known for carrying a 2 by 4 to the ring. Yeah, and another really cool part of Hacksaw's story is that in 1998, 10 years, exactly 10 years after he won the very first Royal Rumble, he was diagnosed with kidney cancer, and he wound up beating it in order to come back to the ring. He did not want the cancer to be the last thing people remembered of him. He wanted to return to the ring and wrestle again, which he did. And that is one of the things that people love about Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Absolutely. There's, a, there's certainly a never-give-up attitude within him. And you know who else had a uh, never-give-up kind of attitude? Our Royal Rumble match creator, Pat Patterson. Rest in peace, Pat. We love you. He, he passed um, early in December you know, 2020. It was non-COVID-related, thank goodness. But um, one of his last you know, fun suggestions or alternatives that for WWE to do regarding the Rumble was to implement the Pat Patterson Cup. So that would be somewhat similar to the Stanley Cup in which Mm. all of the winners would have their names engraved on the cup. You'd fill it with champagne. Oh, wow. It would be a big celebration at the end of the Rumble. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I I remember the story of Pat pitching... um, the the idea for the Royal Rumble to Vince McMahon and uh, Vince allegedly hated it. He hated the idea and said this show would never work. It would be a terrible thing. People would get bored and it would take far too long. And now look at what Pat Patterson had. Absolutely, he, he had an absolute gem. And why not? I, I like the idea of a trophy. Yeah, uh, somebody ought to pitch it to Vince and give him a couple years exactly to, to figure it out. But um, we do have some exciting promotion here um, on the WWE Network. You can watch the Pat Patterson documentary. It'll be released on Sunday. January 24th, and I am certain that they will talk about many a Royal Rumble moment during that documentary. Oh, they have to. So, thank you for sticking with us through our episode of Countdown. We'll go back to our regular program with another new segment, Amanda. Botcha! Botcha! We gotcha! So, this is going to be probably one of my favorite parts of the show for the coming months that we do it. I'm so excited for this. This is a segment where we just name, you know, three, or more if it's necessary, but three parts of the show that just, just didn't work. Yeah. So, So they weren't so detrimental as to make it into our, you know, big review, but they're still worth noting. Yeah. A a botch in wrestling is something that 
you know, it could end in injury, but more than likely, it's just a little mistake. It's something that didn't quite look right, didn't quite work right, wasn't smooth, and that's uh, going to be pretty filled up oh, yeah. for our episodes of Raw. Yeah. Um, the first one I've got, I, I have the first one, it's Drew McIntyre on commentary. So we talked about how great that first segment was with um, having... Keith Lee defeat Sheamus yeah. and Drew on the microphone was fantastic with that promo. But you put him with Michael Cole and for some reason, or well, Tom, Phil- um, excuse me, Tom Phillips. Yeah, Tom Phillips, Samoa Joe, uh, and Booty, Booty Saxon. Saxon. I'll tell you what, it was not a good look. You don't want your WWE champion to disappear, but my goodness on commentary, he did. I he There were moments in the, moments in the match where I didn't even know that Drew McIntyre was there. Absolutely. He, didn't, he did not do a heck of a whole lot of talking. Yeah, I, I think we, we talked about how sometimes wrestlers need to just be given the floor. Yeah. They, they need to just embrace who they are and present that, and that yeah. can be fire. Drew McIntyre isn't that guy. No. Give him a script, and he's good to go. Exactly. He's also not the kind of guy to command that he talk like we see it with aj we see it with joe we see it with sasha we saw it with alexa like countless other superstars who've been on commentary who force their way into the conversation Mm -hmm. they say no i'm here it's my time i'm going to talk i'll occasionally let you guys talk about the match but this is me right and drew just just not that guy which is fine but it makes it difficult to have him on commentary yeah my advice don't put drew on commentary exactly So then we go into my botcha, which is Shayna squashes Dana and Nia DQ Charlotte. So it just it didn't feel cohesive to me. It really didn't make any kind of sense. I I think it would make more sense if they had Shayna go against Asuka and then Nia against Charlotte or Shayna against Dana and then Nia against Mandy. Like if you're trying to build up the tag division then I don't think having one member of one tag team face a different member of two other tag teams makes a whole lot of sense. No, it, it didn't make sense. We, so Mandy Rose also got attacked after Dana got squashed, which that's her tag team partner. Yeah. And Charlotte won the match by DQ. Yeah. And I, like it just it was a broken segment. It was it was a complete botch. Yeah. Honestly, I at this point just move the tag team championships to SmackDown. Please. Move them to SmackDown. Please. I don't want I, I and I know that would fill the show up and there are a lot of talent there's a lot of talent on that show that I want to see. But honestly, I it's I'm just good. I'm tired of what they're doing on Raw with it. it. That, make, that is all I have. It for doesn't it. make any that kind of sense. That is all I have for it. But you do have the last botcha. What you got? I do have the last botcha. It's gonna be AJ Styles defeated Elias. I'll ask again, just like I asked in our first ever podcast, why does Elias keep getting spots? <sighs> I appreciate Elias's status as a jobber at this point. And I appreciate AJ Styles getting the win. Even though for a moment there, it looked like Elias was going to get the win, which would have just... That, that, at that point, it wouldn't be in the botcha category. It would be in the hot tag. Absolutely. But how do you go from last week competing for the WWE Championship at TLC to facing Elias? I, in a garbage time match. I don't. I don't know. I. I. I don't know. That's a, that's that's why it's a botcha. You. You. You have to put AJ Styles on the show. He's fantastic. He's amazing. But if you don't have a good match for him, just give him a promo. Give him a promo. Give him content with Omos. Do something. But, but not that. I'll tell you what. They ruined Omos as well in this match. They did. And in a segment backstage yeah. with Jackson Riker because Omos is no longer a mean menacing bodyguard he's a cheerleader and i'm sorry but seven foot cheerleaders that are clapping and excited and all that kind of stuff aren't very intimidating anymore no they're not so oh geez i was just happy with what they did with aj styles and now i'm not yeah yeah it's bad hopefully they can redeem it on legends raw i'm excited for legends raw that that should be a good show absolutely but uh, that ends our episode of Bacha. Yeah. We will go now into 
today in wrestling. Yes. So today is 1231. It's New Year's Eve. You know, boop, boop and all that. Happy New Year's Eve, everybody. Yeah. So we are going to chat about Brock Lesnar. Because nine years ago today, Brock Lesnar retired from MMA. That's one day after his loss to Alistair Overeem at UFC 141. And that was his first fight since getting diagnosed with diverticulitis 14 months prior to that. So diverticulitis is when you have issues with your colon. Yeah, essentially the pockets in your colon get inflamed or infected. And that causes major problems for your intestines and all kinds of Uh, things. It's not a good time. Yeah. So he lost that fight and then four months later... He makes his WWE return, and it's his first time with the company in eight years. That's like, so Brock Lesnar, and in particular this stretch where he left WWE, went and dominated UFC for quite a long time, and then returns to WWE after his retirement. That period was exponential growth for World Wrestling Entertainment. Yes, We got to see so many stars come into the fold and become, well, dominant. Yeah. And that was Brock Lesnar's trademark, was being dominant. So now you've got mega stars in WWE and Brock Lesnar coming back. And it signaled a new era. I remember as a kid watching Brock Lesnar come back. Right. And... It was one of the most exciting things ever. And I know, even myself, I'm not a huge Brock Lesnar fan at the current moment. But Brock Lesnar's star power cannot be denied. His legitimacy as a UFC champion lends itself and honestly paves the way for a Ronda Rousey many years later to come into the business. Absolutely. And I mean, this is what, 2011? 2011, yeah. So what year did he beat the streak? Um, Let's see. That would have been 14, 2014, okay, I believe. Okay, so, so three years before the streak ends? Yeah, it was, the, it was the start of something there. Exactly. And obviously Brock didn't need a ton of help, but this monumental moment where he, he retires from MMA officially and comes back to WWE really created a lot of the things that we're seeing now today. Right. We have an unstoppable Brock Lesnar. Remember, this also allowed Paul Heyman to come back into the fold. Which, thank goodness for. So, you know, and Paul Heyman was with um, CM Punk during some of that time and things like that. But really, the relationship between Brock and Paul was huge, and they ran the company for a long time, and it was just... This moment in wrestling nine years ago was one of the most important in creating the WWE that we love today. Absolutely. And, you know, I really, I really don't like Brock. I really, I don't like him in the company. I don't, I don't like any (laughs) of it. I really don't. But even I can't deny what it is meant for Mm -hmm. uh, pro wrestling. And it's, it's kind of amazing seeing how these things line up. I'm excited to find out what happened tomorrow in wrestling that's right um and on that note we will head into our last segment it's gonna be a rapid fire beat the clock challenge uh it should be exciting but in this segment we're going to give questions predictions ideas things we like things we looking forward to for our next show our next show is going to be tomorrow new year's day Kicking off 2021 with a good episode of SmackDown. That's what I'm hoping for. Yes. So, Amanda, let's beat the clock with SmackDown. Yes. So, I'm really excited for the Big E versus Baron Corbin match. I'm excited to hear from E as the IC champion. All right. I need a prediction. Who's going to win? Big E, e Corbin. Absolutely, E. Be- the, Baron Corbin never wins. The, the new Intercontinental title is Big E. Yeah. 
He's going to start it off yeah. with a Big E win. Yes, okay. of course. Corbin is not allowed to win things. I'm fine with that. I Cole and his stocking, please. <laughs> All right. Now, I've, I'm really excited because I want to know who's going to the Rumble. And I don't mean that Royal Rumble match, even though I am excited for that. I'm talking who's facing our champions. Whoa. Are we going to get a little bit of that on SmackDown tomorrow? Who's facing Sasha? Who's facing Roman? I'm thinking maybe they start that Bianca Belair feud now. Ooh, that would be good. I think that would be great. And for Roman, mm, I don't know. Maybe maybe we can get a Braun Strowman back. Ooh, that would be fun. I personally think they're going to ride out the KO train for a okay. while. But you think we're not done there. Yeah, okay. but I would love a Braun. Yeah. All right. My last prediction is that Roman will, once again... Kick off SmackDown. He's going to yeah. start the show for us. I think so. And and maybe that's why we get a return. I'd be excited that to see that. That would be really cool. But you got to tune in to see the head of the table. Oh, you got to. Of course. To. Of course. All right. And our last bit is going to be wishing a happy birthday to somebody in the wrestling world. To somebody's actually. Oh, yes. So I'll go ahead and take the first one. We're going to wish a happy birthday to Jamie Keys. For those of you diehard wrestling fans, you'll remember that she was the NXT ring announcer for season two and then later contestant on the following all-female season three. That season gave us likes of AJ Lee Caitlin, Naomi was involved in that season. It was such a good season of NXT. And if you've got time, go ahead and watch it. Absolutely. We're also going to wish a very happy birthday to Matthew Capicone. I'm sorry if I butchered your name. But he is known best as Son of Havoc from Lucha Underground. And fun fact, he was a Tough Enough contestant in 2011. Yeah, I actually didn't know that. I'm, I was a huge Lucha Underground fan yeah. and watched Son of Havoc like, on the edge of my seat. And I didn't know that he was on Tough Enough, which is one of my favorite shows. It's like a reality competition show similar to NXT, Yeah, um, where essentially the winner of that show... Gets a contract. Gets a contract and gets to be in WWE, so... I didn't know that. I'm going to have to go back and watch it, but that's really exciting. And we just beat the the clock. clock. (laughs) All right. So that wraps up our episode of The Chamber Pod with Shamanda. Thank you so much for listening, dedicating your time and effort to tune in every week. Make sure that you like subscribe, do whatever you've got to do to make sure you're getting those new episodes of The Chamber Pod. We're on rss.com backslash podcast backslash Shamanda. And you can get us on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us on Spotify. We're on the Android system, Google Podcasts. Yeah, we're so on just about everywhere. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, tune in every week to Sean and Amanda bringing you everything in the wrestling world. Amanda, sign us off. We'll see you guys tomorrow for SmackDown, the uh, the first wrestling show of 2021. I think we had a great year, as hard as it was for everybody. We hope you had the same. Send it off in the right way with love, happiness, and joy. Close out 2020. And bring in 2021 with some more of the Chamber Pod tomorrow night. We love everyone. Have a good one. Bye.